So today, we're gonna, I'm going to be talking to you guys about um, Jesus cleansing the temple, guarding and advancing um, his father's business. And so, um, if you guys can stand in honor of God's word, and we're going to read this aloud together, if you would, with me, please. Let's read together. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read? From the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise. Amen. You can be seated. Amen. So this passage starts out with what looks like Jesus tearing down the house of God, right? <laughs> I'm reminded of Jeremiah and what Jesus said of him. He said, hey, I've called you to tear down and to plant to tear down sometimes, right? And to build up at other times. And here we see that Jesus is doing that. And in this context, what is happening is people are coming from all over to, a, to the great feast in Jerusalem, to the temple. They're coming from all over the Judean region. And um, there are money changers there. And the money changers, um, they are exchanging Roman for Hebrew coins. So for Hebrew shekels. And they're charging for that exchange so that they can then pay that Hebrew shekel uh, for a, a tribute of service in the sanctuary. These uh, sellers of pigeons and doves, they're selling them at an exorbitant price because as you come from all over the region, you really can't get those ahead of time to offer as a sacrifice in the temple in obedience to God. You, you've got to get them there. So it's a kind of monopoly. And so they're taking advantage of that. And they're um, price gouging the people who come there. And so Jesus is not okay with this inhibiting, blocking access to God, right? And he is after guarding and advancing his father's business. And his father's business is not that which they were doing. His father's business came at the end of the passage, which we'll talk about a little later, the healing of the spiritually and physically blind and lame. The praise that God puts down deep in our hearts, and rightly so. And so, you know, the apostles who were with Jesus at this time wouldn't have been surprised, uh, probably, at this, at what he was doing, because three years prior, he did it. Three years prior, he did it right after his first miracle at the wedding of Cana. He came into this temple, and he drove out money changers, making a weapon, a whip, 
of cords. And he's driving them back for the same reasons. And the apostles at that time were reminded of the Psalms that said, zeal for your house consumes me. And here Jesus calls it a house of prayer versus a den of robbers. So, right, the, the house is the physical place. And the den, in other words, was the physical place. The robbers were the people. The house was a place where God wanted to be consecrated and dedicated to him and access to him. And so in this place, so a lot of times here we often say, right, like the church is the people, not the building, right? And yet God is very interested in dedicated and consecrated spaces for the people to gather together as we did this morning. Amen? That we would walk in our consecration as a set-apart people of God, right? That we would press into our healing. That we would press into praise because he is worthy, right? And so that is what God is after. And um, mind you, this isn't the only way that um, separation was made in the temple. If you look at the picture I think we have a picture on your screen here. This is a picture of the physical temple. It's actually kind of hard to read, probably, from there. But um, on the outside is the court of the Gentiles. And then the next level is the court of the Israelite women. And then the men can go a little closer to access to God. And so this was a system within the temple that God had never built. God had never built that. That was cultural. The religious leaders of that day of Judaism, they, they allowed culture to influence this. But in Jesus, at this table, we see his heart and his will, right? It's to abolish the walls. It's to abolish the walls between men and women, slave and free. Amen? And so this was also embodying something that was not of the heart of God and with which Jesus was not okay. And the Lord, as recent as last week, has been speaking to me and reminding me about what he has done among us regarding women. Because if you remember, um, in the gospel accounts, Jesus radically included women in a patriarchal society. I mean, scandalous. And I won't go into that, <laughs> but he, um, holy but scandalous. <laughs> if I'm not going to go into it, I should, I should say, you know, holy. Some of you don't know what I mean by that. But, um, <laughs> but in that cultural context, it was against the grain. And so, um, and so among us, four years ago, I had a dream. And uh, I opened a refrigerator in the dream, and there was um, all kinds of grapefruit in there. It was one kind of fruit. So I pulled out my grapefruit and um, really nothing to choose from there. And um, <laughs> I sat down at a picnic table where there was this big basket of bananas, strawberries, and oranges. Super vivid dream. Three women from our church sitting at the table already. I sit down at the table and um, we are there to celebrate what will be my sister's wedding on Sunday at 530. Get it? 
No. Um, so I wake up, next day I call my buddy John in Washington State, and I'm like, hey man, I wanted to share this dream with you, and if there's anything that, um, any interpretation you might, getting from, might be getting from the Lord as I share this. And um, he said to me, um, he said, so I just, he said, I do feel the Lord, and I feel like the Lord is saying that he is making room in this season at the table in the church for leadership and gifts of women to be activated. And he said also that the women of your church are taken by Matthew 5.30. That if your eye causes you to sin, lest your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. <laughs> and he said, God wants to do a deep healing work in identity and wholeness in your men. And that's part of how he's going to make room. Well, this may sound strange to you, but I started trembling um, under the power of God. And sometimes when God manifests that way, um, at a word like that, it's just confirmation that it's the Lord's interpretation. That's all. He just wanted, it's like, yeah, that's me. And he may have interpreted it imperfectly, but um, he saw what God was up to. And guys, I could testify to the last four years in our men and women in both the healing and the growing into our callings and our leaderships and our gifts um, has been amazing. And so I just want to, I'm just speaking to that as an example in our day, in our context, even our local church, of God's heart for radical inclusion and special honor where it lacked, right? And so here was a picture even amongst our body. And I do believe the Lord is saying, um, as recent as last week, that I'm doing... Um, I am uh, activating women in their calling again in this season. That I'm activating women in the church to discover their fivefold leadership calling and their giftings. And that others of you, um, that he is raising up and giving you new spaces to walk in yours that you already know about. Amen. In the name of Jesus. So, <laughs> so um, well, Jesus said, on this rock, I'll build my church. And um, he said that he is the one who builds his church. But how does he do it? He builds it through his spirit-empowered men, women, and children. He does it through the church. He builds it up. The scriptures say that we, be built, that we learn how to build ourselves up in love, that we become such a healthy environment that we can walk in love, built up as the people of God. Well, the rest of that sentence, right, is, and the gates of hell will not prevail against you. I think we have a theme of victory this morning, don't we? I think it's clear that God is revealing the victory you already have, but regarding some particular things in our lives today. And that's good news. And, um, and so he's raising you up to attack enemy gates. If it's through his spirit-empowered church, it's not just to have victory over evil. It's to free others as well, right? And so if he's raising you up to attack enemy gates, give God a praise. Amen. Amen. And if he, if he is for you and who can be against you, praise God. Amen. And if he's given you a calling and a ministry on your life, then say hallelujah. hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So, and not, not to bring it down a notch, here, but there is 
uh, a way in which we can be the robbers in this passage or the robbed, though, right? Um, I'm, thinking of, I'm thinking of an international ministry in the 80s, well-known ministry. They were having a fundraising luncheon in uh, South Africa, and Lonnie Frisbee was also in South Africa. You may have heard that name. Lonnie Frisbee was um, an anointed catalyst, as many would say, for the Jesus People Movement, the Vineyard Movement, um, which is now a worldwide denomination. Um, anyhow, he was there, and he felt led by the Lord to go to this um, fundraising luncheon. And at the luncheon, they said, listen, world evangelization will not happen unless you give to this ministry. And Lonnie stood up, and he threw cash on the ground, and he jumped on the cash, and he said, this will be judged. <laughs> and, and less than a month later, the leader of that ministry uh, was caught in adultery, and the ministry shut down. Now, I'm sure there was good that came from that ministry. These things are mixed, right? But you see a picture of how that ministry, at least in part, was missing God's heart, robbing people um, through what it was doing, or at least lost its way in the end, right? Um, but there's a way that we can be complicit, responsible for um, us being robbed, right? And so here, to be sure, they had to pay to play, right? They had to pay to get access to God. But because of the cross of Jesus Christ, we have access to God. And yet, sometimes we don't come, right? Sometimes, whether because of a divided heart, because of distraction, because of apathy, we don't enter in. And we live in these seasons of what feels like, and is a lie of the enemy, as we sang, but this defeat, Right? And we don't come, and God is after removing that, whether because of unprocessed pain or unpredictable circumstances, ways that keep us tossed to and fro like the wind, rather than walking in the Spirit, contending for our healing, and coming in to praise Him, even when we don't feel like it, until we do, right? <laughs> um, and so God is after, sometimes he's, it's seasons of Him tearing down, and uprooting things, whether in us. Here it's a physical representation of the temple, but I'm talking now about the temple of our hearts, right? Tearing down and uprooting these things from which he wants to heal us and free us. And this is his father's business. And we can play into religious games and empty living. And this is why Jesus said, store up for yourselves. Practice, store, present tense, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. It's like, what does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. It's the end of this passage. It's contending for your healing, like the blind and the lame in the temple. It's praising Jesus in worship and agreeing with heaven for who he is, <laughs> like the children in the temple. And this is what he's after, guarding and advancing in us and in the world. And my main point is that Jesus is in every nation saving people and opposing every person and system that stands in his way. Amen. Amen? Jesus is savage Jesus in this passage. <laughs> Jesus is savage Jesus. And some of you don't know what that expression means today. Everybody knows it means wild and untamed. But you younger kids and parents of younger kids know that it means exceptionally good, too. 
<laughs> Exceptionally good and wild and untamed was Jesus in this passage. I mean, who is like Jesus to do this with the perfect motivation of the heart? Perfect love right now looks like flipping tables in this temple. That this is the only appropriate response. No fear of man. No fear of man. Holy indignation. Holy indignation. Amen. And so Jesus is coming for his bride. He's coming to bring more to the table. And the passage in Isaiah that he quotes, House of Prayer for All Nations, has to do with including the social outcast, including the social outcast and the foreigner. foreigner. He tore down the walls that divide. Amen. And so I do want to go into, in closing, um, a little bit about the blind and the lame in this passage, as well as the children. And so Jesus here, um, I, I love this because when he clears out the temple, his purposes flow in through his holiness and his compassion, right? And so what a picture of that. You know, when we practice inner healing prayer for people, we ask God to heal their receptors, right? Because there's things that have hurt them that block uh, his healing virtue from coming in to heal their souls. And we say, Lord, heal their receptors that they can have the capacity again to receive, to receive what you want to fill in the temple of their hearts. When we practice deliverance ministry and we set free people from spiritual oppression, we don't leave that place of their heart vacant. We ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill those places to replace what was stolen what lies were believed in, what hurts happened there, we ask the Holy Spirit to come and speak truth where there were lies, to speak the truth of God where there were lies that influenced their lives about their identity, about their purpose, and about what happened here, right? And so we ask God to come in and fill and replace, and you can see that embodied here. The gospel is the grace or power of God to release healing, praise in the spirit, and protection from the thief breaking in, much less stealing, much less destroying lives. So lastly, if Jake, are you, is Jake, okay, hey, hi Jake, if you can come up. <laughs> he didn't see me during my whole, his whole sermon. Um... <laughs> Um, <laughs> I don't know why I said that. That was, that was so weird. Um, so <laughs> so um, the last part of this passage is we see Jesus receive and empower children in this verse. That he says, have you not read? Like, you guys are the religious leaders. You're the experts of the law. Don't you know this verse, Psalm 8, verse 2? 
that out of the mouths of children and infants I've ordained a praise. Some translations are, I've established a stronghold. Guys, they're saying here, Hosanna, son of David. So them and the adults have been saying this as Jesus rode in in the passage before, right? He comes into the temple and finds it not okay. And who presses in to receive and to come to Jesus for who he is but the children? The children and the blind and the lame. And the children come in and acknowledge, and one commentator says, where son of David is said and capitalized here by Matthew, that means one thing. They believed he was the Messiah. They were saying, Hosanna, save us. Son of David, Messiah. Hosanna, son of David, save us, Messiah. They were praying in the temple. Can you imagine that? <laughs> they were praying in the temple. They were saying, save us, Messiah. And as they said, save us, Messiah, they established a stronghold. And that word in the Hebrew stronghold, brothers and sisters, is in some places political, in some places social, in some places personal in the scriptures. That God in his infinite wisdom and in the foolishness of the gospel has established social, political, and personal strongholds to silence the enemy through the mouths of nursing babies. The word of God says it. I believe it. <laughs> I think to myself, this is like the gift of tongues. We don't have an interpretation, but he says, you're thanking God well enough when you pray in tongues. It's like, well, what is that? Right? It just makes no sense to our logic, to our reason. That babies who don't know what power is much less enough about it to get arrogant or abuse it. That God would say, here, you take my power. And you scream and cry for milk. And I'm going to establish a stronghold because I said so. <laughs> right? That's it. Because he said so. Because the word of God prevails and it remains and lasts forever. And though the grass withers and fades away, though the heavens and earth pass away, the word of the Lord remains forever. That's the word of the Lord. The children and the faith of children. You know, I'm, up, I'm upstairs, uh, or upstairs, I'm upstairs with you right now. I'm downstairs on Sunday nights with the kids. And I want you to know that the Lord spoke to me about being down there with them this season. This was not filling a gap. And it's important that you know that because I believe it's a prophetic picture of God saying, I want the spiritual leaders of your church to learn from the children about faith, about prayer, that he wants to teach us to pray, save us Messiah Amen. from the children, right? that God is showing through that prophetic picture in this season of my being down there that he wants us to learn and, and not only to learn but see in kingdom realities there's a spiritual impartation that takes place and, and you've got to get this this is not learning information about what happened when the kids were you know at kid ministry tonight this is about me getting an impartation to give to you because we need it from the children. 
This is the wisdom of God, brothers and sisters. And so I love that God has positioned us this way in this season for this. <laughs> and so uh, we were at Asbury um, a few weeks ago, as some of you know, and some of you were with me there. And um, we saw God pour out on predominantly these Gen Z students. And we've talked about that some in our sermons and communications. But um, as much as that was about those students and God working personally in their lives, I really believe that um, there's some, they were also a sign at the same time of what God wants to do in this season. And we want to pay attention to it. And um, I loved the word picture that uh, Kiara gave me this week. We want to be the floor and not the ceiling for those we lead, right? And so for the next generation, even as we learn from them, we want to champion them spiritually as fathers and mothers. And we want to, we want them to stand on our shoulders, right? And to walk in greater grace than we did. Because leadership in the kingdom is about laying down in service and building up those who God has entrusted you with, right? And so um, with that, I want to call up everyone who's 10 to 26 years old to stand right here. We want to call up, uh, this is Generation Z age range, and we want to just pay attention to God's voice and the sign that Asbury is for us and, um, and call you up. We want to pray over you. Yes. So... We want to pray the Father's love over you, and as these leaders feel led, and also I've asked Maddie Eaton to pray as well, because Maddie is in Gen Z and has such a heart for her generation. She's being sent out, was already in Spain, and God is doing this work in her that we want her to impart to her peers as well, and a couple other folks are going to pray as we close. Guys, part of equipping the body of Christ, as I said, is impartation, and so that is what we're practicing here, um, imparting through prayer and the laying on of hands um, what God has given us, and then also to ask God to do this work that we believe He's already doing. We're really just agreeing with we believe what we believe God is saying. So, um, Maddie, would you pray first over these guys, and then Caroline's going to close the service after. Come, people, pray. So, um, yeah. Dear Jesus, I just want to pray for my generation. I pray that you fill us with your power and you lead us closer to you. And I pray that in these times of worship, we just, we gain from you and we just keep gaining from you until we can go out and give to others. I pray for you to allow us to receive your love better so that we can teach others what that means. And Lord, I pray that we, we receive love to show love to the others around us, also in our generation. And I pray that not one in my generation doesn't feel your presence. Yes. I pray that your presence is known to us and that we don't just see it as an empty religion. God, we know that this church is not just a church full of Christians. We know that it's a church full of people truly seeking Jesus. Lord, I pray that my friends and all of our friends here understand that this is not just church. 
This is a place where Jesus is here. Amen. Lord, I pray that people start to see Christianity as what Jesus wanted it to look like. Lord, I pray for you to teach us ways to evangelize that aren't harsh. And Lord, I pray that we make a difference in our generation. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. Um, so I was just praying about what to pray over you guys. And I just felt like God say this is a generation that wrestles with God, like Jacob wrestled with God. Um, Jacob wrestled for a blessing, but I feel like you guys wrestle for truth. Um, so I'm just going to pray that out over you guys. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, God, I just thank you that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. <laughs> um, I saw a definition. Righteousness is like right sinking with God, seeking to be right with God. And I just feel like that burns on this generation. So, Father, I pray that you plant that seed in their heart, that burning for righteousness, that burning for truth, God. And you reveal that you are the truth, you are the way, and you are the life and you desire to burn in them, that they are made for more. <laughs> they are made for more, God. There is so much you have put on their hearts that you have planted there. God, raise it up just as, as a part of this generation, even God. I just declare that there is hope for Gen Z, that even though they say mental health is terrible, that people are committing suicide left and right, there is so much hope. Yes, and they are actually rising up. God, I just declare that they are rising up to be the leaders. God, that they will lead the church back to you in a new way. Father, I thank you for what you are doing in the church and that you are renewing it. God, thank you that we are a part of it. Thank you that we are a part of your church. <sighs> My... um. It's, it's one of the verses, but it says, like, seek his face. My heart says to you, seek his face, and I will seek your face, Lord. And so I just thank you, Father, that these are hearts that will seek his face, God. And I just declare that they will see his face. You will see the face of God in Jesus' name. Yeah. And off of that, I felt led to pray for your guys' really primary calling unto the Lord first like unto him and um, not to do things for him. Um, that's not first and foremost prior, your priority, like your priority and your primary calling is to get to know him more and more and for him to get to know you. And so Lord, I just pray that you would protect and strengthen their connection with you, Lord, their intimacy with you. I pray for deeper levels of connection. I pray that their roots would go deep down into God's love and that they would it would keep them strong. I pray that they would know the heights and depths and widths of your love, God. I pray that they would experience you. Lord, even right now, show them. Show them however you have wired them to receive from you. Show them your love for them. Lord, I pray that they would encounter your love like never before. That they would experience your personal love for them like never before. I thank you that you see every single one of them. You see where they're at. 
You see how you made them, you see how you wired them, and you love them. Like you love them. You love them. And I thank you for that. And I just pray for, I pray that you would protect their intimacy with you, that you would grow it. And I pray that out of that, the fruit would come and flourish in the name of Jesus. Amen.